canteen and they'll say, we fell off or uh, she fell off or it was so much fun and we bumped along. It, they always have some story about their experience. One of my highlights personally is uh, when I get to take the children fishing. I have all these cane poles and went and got some worms. We hooked up the uh, cane poles that had children taking turns on each of the cane poles, had 15 of them. And so we had to revolve uh, children through there. They catch a fish and they had to pass their pole off to somebody else. But anyway, just watching the children catch the fish, uh, some for the very first time, uh, is always a thrill. Uh, I was walking after fishing. I was walking along and I was walking behind a couple of kids that had been fishing. And to hear them tell the story of catching their first fish and telling it to someone who had not experienced, it was, it was uh, such a joy for me. Telling your story of personal experience is vitally important. Uh, today, we are going to learn how to share the story of our encounter with Jesus Christ. Turn in your copy of Scripture to Acts chapter 26. Now, we're going to look specifically at verses 1 through 23, and I'm going to read the, all those verses in a few moments. But here is Paul. He's been imprisoned. Um, uh, he was in Jerusalem. Uh, the Sanhedrin uh, attacked him, and the Jewish people in the temple attacked him. Uh, Roman guard came in, uh, Lysias and uh, arrested him to keep him safe, but then to arrest him, and then sent him to Caesarea, where he, uh, where Paul was uh, uh, on trial before uh, Felix, and then he was there in Caesarea for two years. Felix was replaced by Festus. Uh, Paul gives an answer to uh, the charges against him to Festus, and then Festus doesn't know what to do. He brings in Agrippa II and Bernice. Uh, Agrippa's sister, and they come in, and that's where we pick up today in Acts chapter 26. Paul, standing before rulers and kings, uh, shares the story of his encounter with Jesus Christ and how his encounter with Christ has changed everything for him. Let's look in Acts chapter 26. Follow along with me as we read these 23 verses Verse 23 of verses of Acts chapter 26 it says, Then Agrippa said to Paul, You are permitted to speak for yourself. And Paul stretched out his hand and answered for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for myself before you concerning all the things of which I'm accused by the Jews, especially because you are an expert in all customs and questions which have to do with the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to hear me patiently. Verse four, my manner of life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning uh, among my own nation at, at Jerusalem, all the Jews know. They knew me from the first, if they were willing to testify that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers, to this promise our 12 tribes earnestly serving God night and day hope to attain. For this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I'm accused by the Jews. Why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. 
This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme, and being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them. Being Christians, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. Now verse 12. While thus occupied, I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests. At midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I'll deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the kingdom of God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent, turn to God, and do works fit for repentance. For these reasons, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. Therefore, having obtained help from God, to this day I stand, witnessing both to small and to great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come that the Christ would suffer, that he would be the first to rise from the dead, and that, he, and, and that he would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. After Paul finished uh, the story of his encounter with Jesus, uh, Agrippa, in verse 28, said, uh, Paul, you almost persuade me to be a Christian. And that really was Paul's goal, his his goal in sharing the story of how he met Jesus and how Jesus changed his life was not so that Paul could defend himself. Uh, It really wasn't a trial. It felt that way, but it really wasn't a trial. Paul was trying to be a witness uh, to Festus and uh, Agrippa and to Bernice. He wanted them to hear the good news. He wanted their lives to be transformed by God's grace. You and I encounter people every day. Uh, we come across them in our homes, at our work, in our school, uh, in, in our neighborhood, uh, at the golf course and the ball clubs. Uh, we encounter people every day and they need their lives to be changed by Jesus. They need their sins to be forgiven. They need to be brought into God's family. And God is sending you to those ones those ones that you already have deep in your heart, the ones that you've been praying for. God is sending you to those ones to share the story of how Jesus has changed your life. 
So let's walk through this this, uh, testimony from the Apostle Paul, and let's see how that we, uh, according to Scripture, can tell the story of how Jesus has changed our life. The first thing you've got to do if you're going to share your stories, you've got to open the door. Now, what I mean by that, Paul uh, was in chains, and he was brought before these rulers, and God kind of orchestrated, not kind of, God orchestrated his life so that he would be put in this place. And uh, Agrippa even began in verse 1, and he said, Paul, will you speak to us now? And Paul leveraged that moment to share his story, but God opened that door for him. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes God opens the door where people will come to you and say, can you tell me why your life is so different? Can you share with me how that, um, how that you have such peace in difficult days, how that you have joy even when work stings, how that you can navigate the death of loved ones with such hope? I, I want to know about your story. And sometimes that happens. But often it, 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 it occurs, uh, that opportunity to share our story occurs because we open the door. Uh, God orchestrates our lives and events and puts us in the path of other people uh, so that we can begin a conversation, move from small talk to spiritual conversations and talk to people about how Jesus has changed our life. We have to open the door. To open the door, you've got to begin the conversation. Some ways uh, you begin the conversation when I was young, uh, it was something, uh, uh, and learning to share my story, it, it began with something like this. Can I ask you a question? Are you spiritual? Uh, what do you believe about God? Or uh, could be, can I pray with you? Uh, or uh, asking, how's your day? And listening to their response and then telling them, can I share with you how that I have hope or peace or joy or Uh, 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 how I navigate stress like you're going through today. Uh, Sometimes it is uh, as simple as uh, when you attend church, where do you attend? Uh, Can you tell me a little bit something about your hobbies? Uh, Just beginning a conversation, talking to them, finding common ground. Uh, If somebody I'm talking to has uh, a commonality of fishing or something like that, man, we can begin that conversation. But eventually, you've got to turn that small talk to spiritual conversations. That's why you ask about God. In in your opinion, what does it take to get to heaven? That's a great question. Uh, If you were to stand before God right now and he were to ask you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? It's another great question. You see how you ask these diagnostic questions. You ask these questions of people that you encounter to begin a conversation. You begin a conversation about spiritual things. Again, they don't have to claim any kind of spiritual belief, but when you ask them about religious things or spiritual things or God things, it transitions us to a place where we can say this. Do you mind or do you have a minute where I can share with you what I think about God? Do you, have a, do you mind or do you have a minute where I can share with you uh, how God has changed my life, how God has given me hope, how God has given me peace, any of those things? You begin the conversation. You turn it from small talk to spiritual conversation with a bridge sentence. Now, Paul, uh, he was standing before uh, Agrippa and and uh, Festa, he said to Agrippa, I know that you know a lot about Jewish customs and religion. Uh, can I tell you a little bit about my experience? When you encounter someone who is 
who is, God has placed upon your heart or put in your path, open the door for a conversation uh, with him or her about the gospel. The second thing uh, that we do, not only do we open the door, but we uh, have to share how Jesus has changed our life. Now, if you look at your watch right now, again, I want to encourage you to take some time and to write these things down. But if you w- look at your watch right now, mine is a, uh, uh, an exercise Fitbit. Uh, and when I look at my watch, it tells me uh, where, uh, how many steps I've taken or how many calories I've burned or what my heart rate might be. And that's cool. That's nice. You look at your watch. It may just tell you the time. But whatever you're looking at, when you look at your watch, it tells you something. As people are looking at you, as, as you encounter them, as you move from small talk to spiritual conversation, as you open the door for a spiritual conversation, uh, they're looking at you to tell them something. They're looking at your face. They're looking at your, at, at, at your uh, manner. They're looking at the expressions or listening to the tone that you're using. I want to encourage you. Paul began his conversation with Agrippa with a compliment and niceties uh, and, and showing respect. We should do the same thing. Don't be a jerk uh, about sharing your faith. Be kind and be nice. Be gentle. And as they, as you ask for permission to share with them how Jesus has changed your life, then walk through that door that God has opened and share how Jesus has changed your life. Now, I'm not going to go through all of it, but in verses 4 through 11, the Apostle Paul, what he does is he says, this is my life before I met Jesus. I was, a, I was a, of the strictest sect of the Jewish religion. I was faithful uh, to uh, the Jewish law. Uh, I was known as a, a zealous person uh, when it came to uh, j- my Jewishness. I, <clears throat> Paul said, I even persecuted Christians with the greatest of zeal. He was saying, this was my life before I encountered Jesus. And that was verses 4 through 11. Now, uh, when we talk to people, we need to tell them about our life before we met Jesus. And we'll come back to that in a second. And now, uh, Paul moves from verses 4 through 11, saying, this was my life before I met Jesus. In verses 12 through 18, he talks about how he met Jesus. And walking along the road to Damascus, bright light shining, that light being a picture of God's rescuing love, Jesus speaking as the instrument of God's rescuing love for the apostle Paul, a new way of life that Paul was commissioned to fulfill. Jesus changed everything for Paul. And again, we uh, tell the story of how our life was before we met Jesus, how Jesus has changed our life, uh, how we met Jesus, and then finally, the new life we have because of Jesus. Paul said, hey, listen, uh, verse 19, I have not been disobedient to the heavenly vision, but have gone throughout Asia Minor, uh, sharing with Jewish people, but also Gentile people, how that they might move from darkness to light, from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God, how that they might receive forgiveness of sin through faith in Jesus Christ and repentance. Paul said, my life is forever changed because of Jesus. And so as we look today at how we tell the story of how Jesus changed our life, we can use that outline first. Tell people how your life was before you met Jesus. Before I met Jesus, uh, I was empty. 
and incomplete. No matter what I tried to do, I could not fill the emptiness in my life. I tried religion. I tried friends. I tried being better. Everything I tried fell flat, and there was a deep emptiness in my heart before I met Jesus. But then I met Jesus, and everything changed. I met Jesus and began to believe that he was the hope that I needed to escape the emptiness of my heart. I saw that he uh, died for my sin, that my sin had separated me from God. Jesus came and, and, and built a bridge between God and me through his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. And I trusted Jesus and I turned from my sin and everything changed. My life before Jesus, how I met Jesus, and then my life since Jesus. Uh, after I met Jesus, uh, the emptiness of my heart disappeared. Uh, I haven't lived life perfectly, and I haven't always been happy, 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 but I've always walked hand in hand with Jesus, knowing that he is for me and he is with me, and that has changed my life forever. How would you talk to someone about how Jesus changed your life? What was your life like before you met Jesus? Uh, for me, it was emptiness. What about you? Was it guilt? Uh, was it uh, fear? Anxiety? Was it emptiness? Whatever it was, that is a defining characteristic of your so story. Before I met Jesus, uh, I was religious and zealous, but empty. Now, what about you? How did you meet Jesus? When I met Jesus, I, I realized that he was my only hope for rescue, for uh, a life that was uh, filled with never-ending supply of joy. Before I met Jesus, I was empty, but then I believed that Jesus was my hope. Jesus is God. He became flesh. He died for my sin upon a cross to build a bridge between me and a holy God. And when I put my faith and trust in Jesus and turned from my sin, in that moment, my life was changed. Can you verbalize that? That's what you need to write. take some time and write down, how did I come to Christ? How did I meet Jesus? Then how did my life change? And that third part is my life is forever different. The emptiness that I had has disappeared and is replaced with a never-ending supply of joy and peace and hope because I have now entered into God's family. When we share the story of how Jesus has changed our life, we talk about our life before meeting Jesus. We talk about our life uh, how we met Jesus, and then we talk about the new life we have because of Jesus. It doesn't have to be long because there are other parts of this story that you've got to share, but, but it, just one or two sentences at each point. If you have to spend a little bit more time talking about one of those uh, points, then make it the middle point. This is how I met Jesus, because that's what you're going to come back to. Can, can I just uh, jump in here for a second and just point out a couple of things? When you share your story, there are a few things that you really need to include. First, you need to include that God loves you. You know, God does love you. I believe God loves you. I believe God loves sinners uh, who are far from him. That's why he sent Jesus. God loves us, uh, and he longs for us to be part of his family. That's what Paul was pointing at. He said, God sent me to the Gentiles so that they might be part of God's family uh, you and I need to talk about God's love. We need to talk about our sin. And we'll come back to this in a second. But sin is what creates the emptiness in our heart. 
You need to talk about how your sin separated you from God, created the anxiety or the fear, uh, created the hopelessness or the haplessness or the emptiness. It's that sin that separated me from God. And what I needed was a relationship with God. And I couldn't get there by being religious or good or moral. I couldn't get there. So you need to explain that in your story. You need to talk about how Jesus has changed your life. Not, not your work, not your effort, not your church, not your religious pursuits. That didn't change your life. Jesus changed your life. Jesus is the one who died for my sin upon a cross to build a bridge between me and God. You need to talk about how Jesus changed your life. So as you share your story, include God's love and your sin and how Jesus and Jesus alone changed your life. Okay? So we open the door. We start a spiritual conversation. Secondly, we tell the story of how Jesus changed our life. Then third, we, uh, we tell them who Jesus is. Now, this is where you expand a little bit more about Jesus. You want them to be very clear about who Jesus is. You look again in verses 22 and 23. Now, verse 18, Paul had said, uh, uh, Jesus told Paul, I'm sending you to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they might receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. That's, those are Jesus' words. Now, look at verse 22 and 23. Paul is now talking straight to Agrippa, and he's saying, now, I'm, tell, I'm talking to you, Agrippa. I'm telling you who Jesus is. He says, therefore, having obtained help from God to this day, I stand witnessing both to small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come, that the Christ would suffer, that he would be the first to rise from the dead and would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. Now, that comes primarily from Isaiah chapter 42, verses 6 through 7. But here's what Paul does. He says, I'm going to tell you, remind you who the prophets say Jesus is. I'm going to tell you who Jesus of Nazareth is. He is the Christ. He's the Messiah. Uh, we need to talk to people about Jesus, not about us. See, what gets confused sometimes when we tell our story is we talk a lot about us. We need to move, transition from talking about our experience to talking about who Jesus is. And Paul said Jesus is the Messiah. He is the one who was promised by God to be the rescuer of sinners like you and me. We need to tell them who Jesus is. John chapter 1 verse 1 and verse 14 tell us that Jesus is and always has been God. Jesus is and always has been God. That's John chapter 1 verse 1 and verse 14. Go and look at those verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 says, And the Word, being Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1, 1 and 14. Jesus is and always has been God. Jesus became flesh and bone. He became a baby born in Bethlehem. Uh, so that he might rescue us from our sin. We've all sinned. Romans 3.23 tells us that we've all sinned. Romans 6.23 says that the penalty of our sin is death, uh, an eternal separation from God. And you and I need to explain that, yes, sin is our problem, but Jesus came to rescue us from our sin. 
And Jesus went to a cross to die in our place for our sin. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says that in Jesus we have redemption through his blood. We have forgiveness of sin. Our forgiveness has been purchased by the death of Jesus in our place for our sins. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 says that God made Jesus who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus came to die on a cross for our sin out of love for sinners like you and me. Again, Romans chapter 5 verse 8, God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus died in our place upon a cross to give us forgiveness, to to make us fit for God's family. So Jesus is God. He came to rescue us from our sin. He died in our place for our sin on a cross. And then he was raised from the dead to give us new life. It is, according to Romans 4.25, it is by his resurrection that we have been made just in the sight of God, made right in the sight of God. His resurrection creates in us a new, uh, a new life, a, a new opportunity, a new way of living. The resurrection of Jesus means that he is not dead but alive. And because he is alive and living today, he invites us to join him in God's family Today, we need to tell people who Jesus is. He is God who came to rescue us as fully God yet fully man who died for our sin upon a cross and was raised from the dead to give us a new life. When we talk to people and share our story, we need to share that gospel message. And this is who Jesus is. He is our rescuer. He is the one that will give us life. So we open the door We share the story of how Jesus has changed our life. We tell people who Jesus is and finally invite them to turn from their sin and trust in Jesus. You haven't shared your story until you tell your one how that they can enter into God's family. Again, remember what uh, Jesus sent Paul to do and what Paul himself was doing. Jesus sent him to, uh, to share the gospel with the Gentiles to move from the darkness uh, into light, from the kingdom of Satan to the realm of God's love, uh, to, so that they might receive forgiveness for their sin and an inheritance in God's family. Now, how does all that happen? Well, it happens through repentance. Uh, Paul was sent to the Gentiles to proclaim repentance of sin. And repentance is a change of heart and a change of mind. And what begins to happen in the life of that person that you're sharing with, uh, their hearts begin to yearn for God in a way that they've never known before. Uh, their, uh, their sin becomes even more pronounced in their minds and in their hearts, maybe for the very first time. And you need to invite them to turn away from that sin. To, to let that go, all the things that they've been trying to do to answer the emptiness or the loneliness or the, uh, or, or, or the despair or the stress or the anxieties, all the things that they've been looking to, 
to, to, to soothe those problems in their life. They need to turn away from those things, turn away from sin, and then they need to turn toward God. And turn toward God means that they must secondly trust in Jesus. The only way you can turn to God and find yourself forgiven and fit for his family is through trusting in Jesus. You invite your one. You say, in order to receive this gift that God offers through faith in Christ, uh, through Jesus Christ, you must turn from your sin. You must uh, do more than just say you're sorry for sin. You must turn away from it and you must turn toward God. And as you turn toward God, you must trust that Jesus died for you on a cross in your place and for your sin. The reason Jesus was killed on a cross, the reason he hung there and died was because of your sin. You have to believe that Jesus died in your place and for your sin. You must believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. And it's through his death and through his resurrection that you find forgiveness and you have a new way of life. You've got to trust Jesus. It means you put all your hope in him. And as you're talking to that person, that one in your life, you're inviting them to trust Jesus and to be rescued, to be brought into God's family by faith. Today, I just want to encourage you uh, to walk down the path of opening the door, starting a conversation with someone, that one in your life, to tell them who Jesus is, to secondly share the story of how Jesus has changed your life, what your life was before you met Jesus, how you met Jesus, and how your life has changed since you met Jesus. Third, I want to encourage you to tell them who Jesus is. He is God, always has been, always will be. Jesus is God who became a man. And he came, became a man to rescue us from our sin by dying on a cross for us and being raised from the dead to give us a new life. Tell them who Jesus is and then invite them. Invite them to experience the changed life that Jesus offers. Invite them to turn from their sin and trust in Jesus. Lead them in that response. We call it a sinner's prayer. And there's nothing wrong with a sinner's prayer as long as the heart is tuned and turned toward God through faith in Christ. So I invite you to tell, share with them a sinner's prayer. Sinner's prayer includes this. It's, a, it's this person talking to God, inviting God to rescue him or her. Sinner's prayer goes like this. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin has separated me from you. I believe that Jesus is your son. That he died for my sin in my place on a cross. That he was raised from the dead to give me new life. So today, God, I pray that you would forgive my sin based upon Jesus. And that you would give me a brand new heart and a brand new life. Thank you for saving me today. That sinner's prayer from a heart that is tuned and turned toward God leads to transformation. I know it's scary to share the gospel with others, to tell your story. I know it is. I, I, I feel the same kind of hesitation and, and uh, fear factor that goes into starting that conversation, to crossing that line from small talk to spiritual conversation. I feel it every time I do it. So I know it's challenging, but 
I want you to look at verse 22 again. Paul was standing before these guys, the rulers, and he said, uh, through the help of God who is with me now, I stand and testify. Friends, make no mistake. God is with you as you pursue this path of obedience, fulfilling the calling that God has given us and given our church to tell the world who Jesus is. God's with you. Go forward and share your story.